I was really inspired by something I really didn't, a place I really didn't expect to find inspiration today. Um, I was I was on the tube and I looked over and I saw a beautiful sentiment and it came from the most unlikely place. It was from HSBC. It said, we are not an island. We are a Colombian coffee drinking, American movie watching, Swedish flat pack assembling, Korean tablet tapping, Belgian striker supporting, Dutch beer cheersing, tikka masala eating, wonderful little lump of land in the middle of the sea. We are part of something far, far bigger. And I thought that that really inspired me to remember that HSBC is actually a big part of a wide network of Colombian imports to the United Kingdom because <laughs> it's just very inspiring that they were like the main money launderers for every drug cartel. And they're trying to remind us that, you know, uh, bollocks to Brexit. I cannot believe they've gotten in on this cockwomble they, shit. They are the only people in London who are standing up for the right to snort good cocaine. <laughs> and I no from- cartel is an island oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely not uh, cartels are much more like archipelagos <laughs> yes <laughs> some independence but in a limited way Milo's book on the structure of cartels is coming soon <laughs> <laughs> fine on, on HSBC press <laughs> but yes thank you HSBC for reminding us that um, Brexit is bad because it gets in the way of all of our middle class tastes also awesome. it just reads like a poem written by a primary school child like Dutch beer cheersing like you don't cheers a beer. Also, you can't cheers. It's not. A, it's not a verb. It's. It's like a to cheers. It's yeah, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, no it's, it, honestly, I think like when HSBC hired the Jomney Sun advertising agency to try and fight Brexit, it might have been a bit of a miscue. Oh, cocaine boom. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fucking go. Uh, it's your it's your weekly bonus TF. I'm Riley. You may remember me from every previous episode of the podcast. I'm here in studio uh, with Milo Edwards. Hey, it's me, your boy. I've got a raging hard on. Let's do this. <laughs> Producer Nate. Hello. How's it going? Uh, I apparently can't talk. <laughs> uh, we have original host of the podcast making this actually, I think, the ninth episode, Charlie Palmer. Have you been counting? <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah, I think it might even not be that many. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we got thro- Throwback City over here. And then we have uh, Hussein calling in from Dartford. Yeah, I, I, I drank too much lean this morning. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I've been having some problems. Um, what can I say? Calpol just tastes so, so good. Um, A quantity of lean could be described as hella. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. Hi, I'm I'm back from I'm back from America. By the way, I'm alive. Um, do you want to hear a fun story about America? On my last on my last kind of run around upstate New York, uh, I ran past the house with the Confederate flags again. Except this time, um, the dog went after me, and I have like I'm I'm not I'm not particularly good with dogs unless. Um, they're kind of tiny and look like giant squirrels. So like I was pretty freaked out. And then the guy ran out of his house and he shot like he he shot a shot he shot a shotgun so the dog would stop. Um and then he was just like Because he was, it was uh, dead? <laughs> Is the no, dog no, dead? <laughs> no, he didn't shoot the dog, but like the dog would only respond to the shotgun. And then he was just like what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going running. I'm not going to like rob your house, I promise. Um, and it was just very awkward. And I kind of like limped away back onto the main road. And that was just a fun experience about how I made a joke about not wanting to get shot and actually almost coming close to it. See, the big question there is, was this the type of guy who is uh, one of these uh, if Al-Qaeda ever tries to come and pull some shit in New York, they're going to have to deal with me type of guy. Yes. Or was it Senator Rand Paul? So I feel like it could be both. It could be both. It could be, it could be, <laughs> it could be one of like the, fight, like the last Paul brothers. But definitely like one of those guys who's just like, yeah, if Al-Qaeda ever come to uh, Rensselaerville, this tiny town in upstate New York where it takes a 45-minute car journey to get to, and if you take the wrong road, then it'll take you, an, it'll take you one hour and 45 minutes. I'm going to get him with my gun. 
Um, so maybe, when, so, so maybe when they saw me, maybe when he saw me, he was like, "This is my chance. This is something I've dreamed about ever since 2002, when I wasn't allowed to join the army because they were like, "Sir, you're too overweight. You can't join. Um, you know, you we can't deploy you. You cannot fit into your cargo pants." Um, maybe he's been dreaming about that ever since then. I don't know. Wait, so this means that the most dangerous places for Al-Qaeda on the planet are Rensselaerville in upstate New York and also wherever that guy with the sword lives in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what guy with a sword? You know the guy who said he'd pay ISIS 50k if they could kill him, but he was like, but I have a sword. Good luck. <laughs> well, he's actually quite pro-Al-Qaeda, though. Oh, okay. It's oh, actually, yeah, I see. Yeah. You don't really get the nuances between them. That's true. It's, it's more of an yeah. internet scene thing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Mm. Sorry, it's actually a derby between ISIS <laughs> and Al Qaeda. They, they call they call it the firm. We've got Chad Al Nusra and, and come on, ISIS. lads. We've got Al Qaeda away next week. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna show those smart asses at Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda away is actually what Dick Cheney calls foreign policy. <laughs> Al Qaeda ISIS is like uh, snobs v slobs. Oh yeah, totally. Like... Jabad Al Nusra is gonna like go raid the snobby ISIS camp across the lake. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take all their prisoners. <laughs> Jabad Al Nusra is going to get expelled from the Levant unless they can all pass algebra. <laughs> Come on, guys. We've all got to learn it. If you want to do jihad, you've got to do algebra. <laughs> yeah, that's how Trump is actually deciding he's destroyed ISIS. He's just put them on double secret probation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Shall we get into the stuff? Let's get into the stuff. Just imagine an ISIS beheading video where they just start paddling the guy instead. <laughs> An ISIS beheading video where it ends with a where are they now? <laughs> There's a guy in an orange jumpsuit doing a keg stand. <laughs> Yo, I'm more interested in one of those ISIS get heading videos. For God's that's sake. Definitely, that's uh. definitely better than the other thing that was said earlier that you made us delete. <laughs> if you guys- that's definitely not worse. There's also the ISIS sort of gardening channel, which does the ISIS deadheading videos, which are really good fun. Uh. Really <laughs> recommend them. Just some guy hanging out in the Levant going, I want to get some head. And then the monkey's poor <laughs> finger curls. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what's in a box? So I found a, another startup for us to talk about. Another one? And yet we, another we startup. We must have nearly done all of them. Mm. You'd think so. And yet for some reason, golfy money just keeps pouring into Silicon Valley and wow. just funding all kinds of nonsense. That's the thing about startups. They just keep starting up. Fuck you. <laughs> No, no, see, that's it. And no. then shutting down because they spent all the investor money on like balloons or something. And then starting up again. <laughs> well, kind of. With yeah. different investors. <laughs> and a new but equally bad idea. But frequently the same investors. Like everyone who invested in uh, Juicero then came back to invest in raw water and it's the same guy. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking rules. <laughs> They're like, no, we, we believe in him and we can. We think that he, we, we can work with him a second time and it won't be an embarrassing failure that goes to symbolize all that's wrong with our economy. That, I feel like Raw Waters should be the name of like a congressman from rural Illinois. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Republican congressman. Surely no. Raw Waters is a Delta Blues singer. Oh, Raw, possibly, yeah. Raw Waters definitely was a Democrat until the Democrats stopped being white or overt white supremacists and then switched to becoming a Republican. Oh, like Strom a Thurmond. Okay. Yeah. Raw Waters, definitely a Dixiecrat. Um, all right, so this startup, this startup is called Humu. 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 Isn't that like, like a Polynesian word for fish or something like that? Almost certainly. I doubt they know that, though. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so Hawaiian spearfishing startup? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just someone who's decided to put Hawaiian spearfishing on the blockchain. It's identical in all other respects. It's the lost ablative of who. Oh, uh, yes. That's what it is. That's very good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> okay, so Humu uh, drives behavioral change with the power of people science, machine learning, and, crucial third ingredient, love. Wait, is what? people science a rebranding of eugenics? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Joseph Mengele with his famous people science. <laughs> <laughs> well, their mission statement, and there's a slight variation on this, we aim to leverage people analytics to nudge people towards being their best selves every day. This was written by an Alexa, wasn't it? This is like... <laughs> 
maddening. It doesn't say anything. <laughs> I have to interrupt. For some reason, Elon Musk has just tweeted dot, dot, dot on Twitter and nothing else. And I'm wondering if Oh, it's shit. Grimes broke up with him. <laughs> oh, sh- oh, shit. It's, he's like, he's starting some messy drama. No, he, he's about to say something like, he's, about, he's tweeting dot, 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 and there's about to be a tweet storm about fake people who, are, who go behind your back and just take advantage of you and never tell you what they really mean. And he'd rather have like a room full of girlfriends that love him yeah. than a building full he's of gonna, crimes. He's going to tweet like, bear fucked off with all these snakes, to be honest, XOXO. <laughs> and then someone's going to be like, OMG, Elon, are you okay? And then he's going to say, PM me, hun, XOXO. <laughs> or, or the other key Facebook move, which yeah. is, honestly, it's not your business. Yeah, no, and then there'll be another tweet saying, does anyone know what time Asda's is open till? <laughs> Elon Musk, of course, now lives in uh, like South London, I guess. No, no, it wouldn't be anywhere as good as South London. It would be like um, Slough. <laughs> oh, no. It's Essex, isn't it? Yeah, We're I mean, in yeah. Essex. Yeah. We're doing Yeah, but Essex. everywhere around London is actually Essex. That's yeah, the I thing. think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same. People say that all these people are from Essex, but they're the same everywhere. Yeah. So, wait, so are you saying that Reading is Essex? Basic, culturally, yes. Do, <laughs> yes. You, you wouldn't notice Agreed. any difference between yeah. the people, like genuinely. Damn, grand unified theory of uh, the home counties. They sound the same. They have the same interests. <laughs> It's not racist. Yeah. They look the same. <laughs> They're extremely white. They're all white. We need to write that article for Quillette. We do. What? We do. We okay. That's it. New new Quillette pitch. Uh, someone someone of our bonus subscribers, please write this article for us. I'm gonna go back to Humu. So Humu drives behavioral Humu. change. Humu. <laughs> Humu drives Humu. behavioral change with the power of people science, machine learning, and love. Our mission and statement love. is to bring leverage people analytics to nudge people towards being their best selves every day. The founder, Laszlo Bach. (laughs) Yes! This is so good. Oh, man. I love these people's names. I didn't realize that every startup founder was created by a Mad Libs book. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the few names where spoonerizing it doesn't make it any sillier. Just like Baslo Lock. Like, well, yeah. That's genuinely less weird. (laughs) Says the founder, Laszlo Bach. People are complex, messy things. If work is going to be better tomorrow, we have to change the way we do things today. People are complex, messy things. Why don't we neaten them out? Yeah, he's yeah. Hannibal. <laughs> Perhaps we can categorize them by melanin count. Just, just a thought. Just a thought. <laughs> how do you categorize? How do you solve a problem like diversity? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, wait, what do we think? This company actually does. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you guys have a round of guesses. Machine learning dating. <laughs> it, it watches. It watches your interactions on dating websites, and it determines who your best partner is oh, through machine learning. So it's Black Mirror. You think it's a literal Black Mirror episode that they did that? Oh, I didn't know that was a Black Mirror. I mean, episode. Black Mirror episodes do keep coming true. And the reason that's so spectacular about that is that the Black Mirror episodes keep getting like worse and dumber, and that's why they keep coming more true. <laughs> Just like, I don't know, what if things were just bad? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's already come true. What if your phone kicked you in the nuts and then like um, Ninja shills a phone app that kicks you in the nuts on a stream? Does it um, Does it uh, pick the, uh, does it use d- like data to personalize a recommendation every morning of some kind of hustle guru that's right for you? We, we kind of, yes. You actually kind of sort you what? sort of nailed it. <laughs> what? So it's like based on your dating history, we recommend Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> the hustle guru or huru. <laughs> I think okay, okay, okay. I've got I've got I, I think I've got it. I think that it's actually it's in the vein of what Charlie has said, right? Except it's like your personal pickup coach. <laughs> so it's just like the guy who like whenever you when you whenever you have like any sort of interaction with um someone from the opposite sex. Like it will be speaking into your ear, and it'll just be telling you, like, "Yo, dude, you know, tell her that she, tell her that her dress looks shit. Tell her that, like, her, An- another her Black that's Mirror genuinely episode. Genuinely, another Black it's Mirror another episode. Black Mirror oh, episode. Really? Stop oh. it. That's the one with John Hamm. God yeah. rest him. What if, what if you could neg your boss? <laughs> Black Mirror. No, no. What, what, what I was gonna say was that, like, this is this is kind of like a more fucked up version. So if they're just having like a suave dude telling you. You can have like you can customize Clippy. Vo- you can customize voices so you could have like you know Scarlett Johansson from her or like the Venom voice, um, <laughs> the Joker, anything you Just want. Just Eminem. Right? <laughs> okay, so what th- this is actually this is like what if your business got 
venom symbiote. <laughs> this is like a way to give your business venom. Uh, uh, because it's a little voice that talks to you about how to be a better business guy. Oh, and schizophrenia. <laughs> and talks to all of your employees. It's American oh Psycho. <laughs> no, it's venom. It's business venom. Um, so what it is, is it... <laughs> But we'll let Hussein get through that one. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a fake LinkedIn account. <laughs> uh, business Venom TM. Well, small business, note to Nate, uh, clip that for the preview. I think. Business Business Venom was just when uh, Papa John said the N word. <laughs> he was consumed he with the over by the symbiote. This dark force. <laughs> okay, so so <laughs> so here's how they do it. Humu starts with a diagnostic survey that's as sm- nuanced as your organization. With inputs... Love a nuanced organization. <laughs> I love that they've got themselves out of that by saying as nuanced as your organization. Coincidentally, it's always precise. If you have a simple fucking organization, Humu yeah. is not for you. No, absolutely not. Um, and it uses these inputs and information as granular as employee commute times, for example. What? We, information is not granular. <laughs> we use machine learning models to identify uh, each of our partner companies, because they're a B2B, so they sell to businesses, not to individuals. Sure. Okay. Uh, companies, unique drivers of business outcomes among staff, like happiness, productivity, and retention. Mm, yes. The big How much th- have the- you been retaining today? <laughs> Humu's algorithm runs tens of thousands of iterations of proprietary statistical models to determine the unique areas of action among your staff that will drive happiness, productivity, and retention for every team at your company. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Gross. So you, so you could be doing business things and all of a sudden Humu would be like, mm, if you don't pee, then you'll be very happy. Is that how sort it works? of right. Well, I'll, here's here's actually how it works. So that's sort I, of its base. I, 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 fu- I would fuck with that. Like to be honest, I would I would fuck with an app like that. I would totally fuck with it. I, no, it's I, I'd get a little like I want a personal humu. That's a little life code. Because here's what it is. <laughs> no, it's a way. To, it's a way. It's a way to get venom. So here's 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 what it is. Humu's nudge engine TM deploys thousands of customized nudges small personal messages throughout the organization to empower every employee, manager, team, and leader as a change agent. They've literally stolen this terminology from MSN Messenger. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically a chat The future bot. of communication. But I mean, are you obligated to do what it says when it gives you nudges? Like, what if the message pops up on your screen and says, suck your boss's dick? <laughs> well, I mean... Are, what, is your is your is your evaluation for that quarter going to be tied to whether or not you listen to Humu? <laughs> well, that Gary has the lowest performance on your desk. <laughs> Kill him, and your life will be spared. <laughs> <laughs> Do it the, now! The, the, come on, the Humu games. <laughs> the Humu game. Humu game. <laughs> <laughs> <Whom> will win. <laughs> very very advanced Hunger Games. Over time, incidentally, a change agent is what HSBC have started calling all their tellers. <laughs> I, be- I bet they fucking have too. <laughs> like it's a also, sandwich artist. It's also what they call cocaine. <laughs> it's a kind of change agent. You well, take it and then you change. You take it and then you start. Chemistry a is the study of change. Over time, our nudges grow increasingly aware of the timing, messaging, and motivational techniques that inspire your individual employees towards action. If this seems a little too impersonal, a little too cool. HAL nine thousand, that's where the love comes in. Uh, oh. So he very lovingly says, "If you don't take shorter bathroom breaks, I'm just going to commit suicide." Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, don't know if it uses, I don't know if it uses that weird ass voice. I think it uses text. It's like, I mean, ooh, ooh. I, would love, <laughs> I would, I would love it though. I mean, like obviously to make it personal, how are you going to bond with a text? It's got to have a voice, so it's just going to. It's got to have gonna, a creep. It's got to sound like a Victorian ghost. It's going to very creepily tell yeah. you. That, you know, you've just got to make sure to not steal people's food from the fridge. Does it bond with you by saying? Saying, we're not so very different, you and I. Yeah, no, it's it's like it's like you get fucking Hannibal Lecter to come in <laughs> and just be your yeah. office motivational coach. Well, it's like it's like this was written by someone who's never met a person. Like as our our computer program will learn what motivates your employees to action. Like well, like they're still solving the mystery of like what makes people do things. Or, <laughs> like, why? or actually, they're. This could go really incredibly wrong if it actually works out what motivates people. Like, if you finish this spreadsheet by the end of the hour, you can have a wank in front of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Louis (laughs) CK. That's how we got started. (laughs) You can shoot one random co-worker. (laughs) 
Whoever finishes it first gets the gun with one bullet in it. You can hit Ian. You can hit Ian right in the face once every hour for the rest of the day. (laughs) So here are some examples of nudges. Humu's nudge engine. I think it does this by email. Wait, the twist is that Ian is like a a sadist and just, oh no, a masochist and just really likes being hit in the face. Humu, aligning incentives. Yeah. (laughs) Humu's nudge engine delivers personal achievable suggestions that make every employee a change agent. Incidentally, a nudge engine is what Milo calls his penis. (laughs) (laughs) Here are a couple Uh, of examples. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but (laughs) no. But somehow I quite like it. Well, I like the idea that he's just nudging people with his penis. He's like, "I'm a nudge engine." When you get down to it, move along. (laughs) Louis C.K. made the rest of this illegal. (laughs) I'm doing all there is left. Okay, Humu's nudge engine. What are some of the two examples of nudges that I found on their website? Nudge number one. In today's team meeting, try speaking up in the first 10 minutes. You'll look like a leader. Even though you're a worm. (laughs) (laughs) That's nudge number one. That's also just, I think that just is the same as imposter syndrome. (laughs) That's just what, that's just what goes through my brain anyway. And then I speak and then I, and then everyone goes, that was a dumb thing to say, Charlie. Leave, please. <laughs> it's, it seems like, Thanks, Humu. What, if, what if they've just made this thing do machine learning by digesting a bunch of like 70s business power books. And so like the suggestions that it gives you seem not just inappropriate, but also really, really ill time to the age. It's like demonstrate your manly force by wearing an extremely wide tie. Just... <laughs> 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 and have, a gaudy cologne. Have you tried one of those shirts that's like light blue, but the collar's white? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the second nudge. Invite your team to a no-holds-barred Q&A session. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me anything. Ask me how many people I killed in the war. I'll tell you. Ask me how many people I killed in my basement last week. Wait, what? <laughs> no, no-holds-barred Q&A session is absolutely something that would lead to eyes wide shut. Except that there are no holds. <laughs> Preferably zero holds. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, like this is yeah. So this is this is and this is what people are investing billions of dollars. So basically, into. what they want is a struggle session. What they want is communism. This is like <laughs> denounce your failings before the party. Do it now. Well, here and here's a sort of worked example. Uh, L- Laszlo Bach. Sorry, I'd love to say his name. Laszlo Bach gave an example of a construction crew that built a hangar for Lockheed Martin, the military contractor. At the end of the project, the work crew hung a giant American flag as a patriotic salute to the company, but the gesture went unacknowledged. Yeah. It's actually an unconstitutional method of executing I'm a flag. I'm sorry, no, uh, look. <laughs> you, what? <laughs> the foreman of the crew was still bitter about not being thanked 15 years later, <laughs> and Humu could have... 15 years later? <laughs> and Humu could have prompted Lockheed Martin to address this at the time. And killed him. <laughs> <laughs> The rest of the employees, kill him. <laughs> kill him for your happiness. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like we just built, we, we hung a giant American flag to honor Lockheed Martin. That's just, they did that to give a National Review writer a boner. Wait, that guy, that guy who hung the flag went on to be the Joker. <laughs> you know how I got these scars? That's, that's so weird, but like the marketing material is like, oh, if our app existed in like a time when phones didn't exist then things would be better it'd be like oh if tinder existed you know maybe the columbine massacre wouldn't have happened like i don't know some shit like that right <laughs> um Yo, you you ever think about how if we'd had zoopla in 2001 we could have averted 9-11 <laughs> you ever thought that, just... you, ever, you ever thought like it's the year it's the year 20 2065 and I'm saying on a podcast again, you ever thought that if we didn't have a time machine, we couldn't send a couple back nine years before 9-11? <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> nine months, we said. But you, but you never know which organizations again. you're you never know which organizations you're helping. Imagine the damage that would have been done if Al-Qaeda had got their hands on Humu. <laughs> Imagine the productivity gains. What <laughs> if Al-Qaeda had got their hands on Skyscanner? Osama <laughs> bin Laden holding a no-holds-barred Q&A session. <laughs> see, 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 the thing is, Humu... Humu would have prevented 9-11 because it would have just given the, the hijackers like incentives to do something else. It would have Wait, said- this has just now made me think of an inevitable Brendan O'Neill article that like the Gatwick drone is too little too late for preventing 9-11. <laughs> you fucking lips think that you're going to prevent 9-11 with just one little drone? It Why shows now? your true Stalinism. <laughs> Um, right, yeah, also, but he's bitter about not being thanked for showing f- f- 
free patriotism to Lockheed Martin after 15 years. I desperately want to meet this man. But I mean, like, like Lockheed Martin's going to be like, oh, flag, my favorite. How did you know? To be fair, it is their favorite. Is it their favorite? I think their favorite's money and death. <laughs> yeah. I'm also, I'm also wondering too because I mean, what this maybe doesn't imply here is that if this if this anecdote was related to him and he was mad about it 15 years later, then maybe it's like it's a kind of thing that happened Rick, right after 9/11 when literally everything was American was an American flag because that was a thing. Like, what if your mum was an American flag? <laughs> yeah, that's like, what. So Lockheed Martin just stopped noticing American flags. Exactly. Like, no, they were just all right. <laughs> oh, you get a rare condition called flag blindness, which apparently afflicts a lot of NFL players. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's from all the standing. Uh, no, though. No, um, uh, honest, Lockheed Martin was probably too busy saluting the black flag of Al Qaeda for lining their pockets for the next eighteen years. <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's a bonus episode. <laughs> I, I mean, I, look. I think that I would make no secret, even on a free episode, of the arms industry's love of perpetual imperial war. Well, but but yeah. also, since it's a bonus episode... But it's so tasty, Riley. I mean, how can you not... <laughs> since it's a bonus episode, we can put in the real edgy content. Like, Laszlo Bach, that sounds like an expensive beer that dudes with beards would buy. Okay, tip your server, thanks. I just find it funny Very how, cool. like... I was going to say, I, I just find it funny how, even on, like, bonus episodes, like, paywalled episodes, uh, we kind of say that, oh, we have, the, we have the freedom to be more edgy and a little bit more controversial, but the one thing that we have to avoid is talking about a certain host dating history. Yeah, I mean, it's it's checkered. What can I say? And a lot of them listen to the show. <laughs> um, They're so obsessed with Charlie that they listen to every episode of this show, all the free ones, even though Charlie's not often on it. And I have not listened to most of the ones I've been on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we mostly change your voice so that you're that you're like a, a ch- an Alvin in the Chipmunks chipmunk. We make you say a lot of stuff that's yeah. really neo-Confederate. What are you talking about? This is some weird joke. I do actually sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we pitch you way down. We're actually, oh, so- we've put him through the like IRA foot calling in a bomb threat filter and it's just made him sound normal. <laughs> here, here, here's the, la- here's the la- last paragraph of this bit. The founding team have taken 10 years of learning at Google and productized them for use in other companies. Love to productize. If you've read- Productizer is actually a new kind of soft drink. If you've yeah. read Laszlo's book entitled Work Rules. Wait, my Laszlo book by Laszlo Bach. <laughs> my Laszlo bookie work. <laughs> it's called Work Rules. Uh, my Laszlo bookie book. You'll know that it's hard to overstate how critical people management is. Now, from uh, the- well, if 9-11 proved anything. <laughs> uh, so and it didn't. Here is, here are, here is. Jury's an- still out on that one. <laughs> no, 9-11 proved nothing. I'm a solipsist. <laughs> I'm not even sure it happened. <laughs> my, co- my special brand of 9-11 trutherism is like uh, Baudrillard about the Iraq war. I'm like, nope, didn't happen. There was no 9-11. I, like, I want to go back in time so that George Bush makes a statement and just after 9-11 just says, this has proved nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and makes no further comment. They're like, what do you mean by that, <laughs> sir? And he's like, goodbye. <laughs> the concept of truth when is... When the seagulls follow the trawler. <laughs> <laughs> the con- the concept of truth is philosophically controversial. How can we know there even were towers? Mm. <laughs> so here's, here's from, uh, from a New York Times article about this startup. Uh, a professor raises this. He says, the companies are the only ones who know what the purpose of the nudge even is. The individual who's designing the nudge is the one whose interests are going to be put in the forefront. So this, this company could very easily nudge you to say... Don't talk to your union representative. Just open up to your boss. You have merely adopted the nudge. Right? My like, interests are in the forefront of the nudge. <laughs> but, that's, but seriously, like that, they could easily do that. Like this could, this is at best, a fi- basically like, yeah, it's it's more Jomney Sun. It's reminding your business to drink water and like love itself, basically. A, a, a nudge. <laughs> Not a nudge. But in fact, what it's doing is it's allowing you to sort of give wellness commands to your employees that you they don't know what the source of them are, and you can get them to do more or less anything. I can't wait till like NBC has Matt Lauer's version of Huma that just makes all the women employees get nudges telling them to suck his dick. <laughs> oh man, that would definitely like, yeah. That's the that's the other way this could be abused. Sunk my dink. B- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just that's just that Johnny. That's just, no, is that's that's just sexual abuser Johnny's son? <laughs> that's Bam Margera's dad. <laughs> 
Johnny, Uncle Johnny's son. <laughs> Uncle Vito Drumney's son. Now that's a character. <laughs> now what do you think he'd be like, Milo? You ready to bust out Uncle Vito Drumney's son? <laughs> bam. Bam. Okay. okay. Uh, anyway. Uh, right, so stop funking around bam. <laughs> so let's let's like let's be clear. This is a com- this is not just useless and stupid. It's very useful to people who want to be able to like dominate and control their employees. Because it's not tech companies that are even using this. It's like fast food companies like Sweet Green or whatever. These are the people who are using this. Well, this is one of these things, isn't it, where the difference between it being dumb and evil is whether they've done a good job of it. So (laughs) this could be, like, really horrifying. Like, you know, maybe if you give your boss a compliment, your boss will like you more and you compliment your boss and it actually helps you in the organization and you slowly start believing in the app and it's horrific and it erodes your free will and it becomes like an inner voice in your head. Or it just goes like, maybe you'd like to poo now. And you go, (laughs) (laughs) how do you know? I just went. This is this is a this is a Black Mirror episode. This is literally like what I'd expect from a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, you're working at McDonald's and the thing goes like, your boss will notice you if you sink your hand into the deep fat fryer. <laughs> it's okay. No, <laughs> it's saw. It's business. It's not business venom. It's business saw. <laughs> I want to play a game. But here's here's the thing, right? Here's why it's not a Black Mirror episode. Because a Black Mirror episode wouldn't have nearly the class consciousness that that this kind of just is required to analyze. It would be more about, oh, you're losing your individuality, not you're being like atomized and and dominated from a real identifiable foe. That's why Black Mirror is always so unsatisfying, I think. What if you could see yourself in your own spine, Black Mirror? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, right. I think there's going to be a few of those before the end of the yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that's uh, that's Humu. Mm. Who wants to invest? What if you could do lines Humu. of free... Humu wants to invest. Humu wants to invest, Mu. What if you could do lines of free base cocaine, Crack Mirror? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. That's, uh, that's good on Humu. Uh, let's advance to another dumb tech company making everything else worse. Um. Netflix has recently capitulated to a demand made by Saudi Arabia, um, the, the, big, the big dry kingdom with the big wet king. Um, <laughs> That's why he's king. In the land of the dry, the wet man is king. <laughs> he is just a more fashionable Wyatt Coke. <laughs> he is he is the thickest uh, of the various. Well, you know that if Wyatt Cook could order a transnational hit squad to murder everybody who made fun of him for that stupid video, he would absolutely do it. He would. Abs- oh, yeah. he, would the- he, he would absolutely send like goons to Whitechapel to find this weird acid sink acid yeah. sink venue. Um, <laughs> like keeps calling his like well, keeps calling his shirts weird. <laughs> the thing is that the thing is that unlike the Saudi embassy staff, Wyatt Coke could have just eaten the evidence. <laughs> and Wyatt Coke like spit roasting the remains. And you will know and you will know him by the garishness of his shirt, appropriate for the discotheca. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. So Netflix has just has elected to block an episode of its show, Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj, from streaming in Saudi Arabia after the government complained that the episode, which is critical of the Crown Prince and noted oaf Mohammed bin Salman, um, violated its cybercrime laws. Um, and you know, he he talks about the relationship between the kingdom and um, and and America and the treatment of Khashoggi and simply the fact that like it is now, he says. Uh, a good time to reassess our relationship with Saudi Arabia, and I, meaning Hassan Minaj, mean that as a Muslim and an American. Um, and the treatment of Khashoggi is a very funny way of putting it. He's been treated very poorly, <laughs> and he's not happy, not one bit. Manager! Now, he's in bits, anyway. <laughs> the, speci- this, the specific law... The specific law that, that the Saudis cited was Article 6 of the Saudi anti-cybercrime law. Uh, which prohibits the production, preparation, transmission, or storage of material impinging on public order, religious values, public morals, and privacy. Um, so if you're listening to this in Saudi Arabia, maybe get your fill now. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's, it's, very, it's very interesting that, and this is, this is coming at the same time, that uh, you know, a noted public masturbator, Louis C.K., um, has ma- been roundly criticized for making a whole bunch of jokes saying the Parkland kids, survivors had it coming. 
um, some weird anti-Chinese shit that I didn't fully understand. I think he might have a brain parasite. Oh, now he's getting a job on Australian Sky News. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, someone can replace that guy the Bunta Vista people talked about with the weird hair. Um, but right, it's it's interesting. But the free speech warriors, your Ben Shapiro's, your like Ian Miles Chong's, and so on. It's they're really piling on behind Louis C.K. They have said very little uh, about um, about uh, Hassan Minaj. I mean, Spectator, where are you guys? It's almost like the whole point of the free speech SJW complaint is just we want to be really racist and really sexist all the time, and it makes me mad when I can't jack off in front of women and force them to watch. I mean, I think the thing, like, to not go super earnest about this with Louis C.K. assist, it's that he basically said, ha-ha, gender is fake. Like, he got mad about pronouns and that stupid rant that was getting shared around. And it's like, that's the thing that, that basically made... made People like Ian Miles Strong because his their currency beyond Ian Miles Strong not getting paid for ghostwriting Milo's book, uh, bad Milo, not good Milo, um, <laughs> is, is basically making you know attempts at viral tweets complaining about too many pronouns. And so Louis C.K. has decided that yes, in fact, there are too many pronouns. Uh, and now too many pronouns spoil the broth. The dictionary is just too big. <laughs> Short. <laughs> It's heavy. The extraordinary thing is Louis C.K. has managed in in the course of like about half an hour to single-handedly take Kevin Spacey's "Maybe I'm a Pedo" rant out of the news. <laughs> yeah, that's just incredible. Really it is, really it is amazing effort. how that stuff just vanished off the map, like within the span of a day. I mean, that's the world we live in now. Because I mean, tr- Trump gets on and says some dumb shit, and then this happens. But like, it's kind of insane how it's just it's it's gone. Nobody's talking about Kevin. Kevin like maybe like the Kevin Spacey blog is writing about it furiously right no, now. Trump, Nobody Trump, else. Trump He's get, so talented. Trump <laughs> Trump gets Trump gets on and it's like, look, Frank Underwood. I'm told is one of my best advisors. <laughs> no, Trump, Gen- Trump General McChrystal. He lost a war. Got fired like a dog. You know what? You didn't get fired. Kevin Spacey. Those boys are just complaining because they they can't get ladies easily. Kevin Kevin Their Spacey is a can, terrific actor. Netflix can say about him what they want, but at the end of the day, Netflix it's a failing company. There's some very bad people there. Their Christmas parties served inferior champagne. A lot of people were complaining about it. Actually, you know, what so. I realized fucked up my Trump impression is I used an adverb and his brain doesn't work no, that well. No, of course not. Unless no. it's Bigly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old Bigly. Good old Bigly. Um, but, but, but I'd love to see Trump try and do a piece to camera and somebody just go, Mr. Trump, we can still hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, so bringing, it, bringing it slightly back on, on on target here, right? Like this is literally what free speech is. It is, a pub- it is trying to fight against a public body that is trying to stop you from criticizing it. I mean, Louis C.K. had a pretty public body. <laughs> oh. so, um, <laughs> the thing to like remember is that right-wing people don't actually like comedy, right? <laughs> so no. they like, in, in the same way that last year, um, you know, you, the same cabal of people who now really like Louis C.K. Uh, pretended that they really liked Kanye West, right? And like Charlie Kirk even went so far as to like, you know, pay full price to, uh, you know, buy Yeezys, um, you know, and kind of just just even though like it's very, very clear that I don't know, besides like the, the Kanye song that Chris Martin from Coldplay was on, like he probably hasn't listened to like any any Kanye West music. Um, the one with Paul McCartney. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, you know, uh, so, you know, so, so for them, this is just kind of like, you know, this is all aesthetics. It's like this idea that, oh, this guy said something nice about daddy and therefore like, you know, not only will I like him, but I will kind of, you know, I, I will join the fandom. And really that's what it is. Like, I, I, you know, I've said this a couple of times in previous shows and I think we've talked about it in a couple of shows, but like, the defining kind of political moment that we're in is really one where everything is a fandom. Um, so at the moment, you know, we are in this period of like Louis C.K. fandom, but it's kind of weird because with the Kanye West stuff, everyone sort of knew it was absurd, right? It was absurd to think that like Paul Joseph Watson, this 35-year-old loser, um, you know, s- suddenly now like knows everything about rap music and, you know, is talking about how Jay-Z really screwed over Kanye after like the Throne album. Um, <laughs> right, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, a real so one. They, so, ev- we're everyone's Keemstar. Everyone <laughs> is their own personal Keemstar. Right, right, right. So, like, we're, you know, I was looking forward to Paul like showing up on like the No Jumper podcast at some point, but like, like, <laughs> like that never but this happened. is but. 
But this is why. But this is why you get the the thing that's always most interesting is when somebody who like a particular group love like lets down that group, and that's it's always fun watching everyone sort of malfunction over it. Like you know, uh, I mean. Uh, the boring example is Aziz Ansari, where everyone right. sort of malfunctioned because they're like, "Hang on, no, he's our one." Yeah, yeah, it's, and because it, it's like it's all a lot of this stuff, and especially I think with celebrities, and especially but not exclusively with the right, it's about it's not about protecting free speech. It's about I resent any limitation on any of my behavior, even a social one. I resent the idea that this guy who's like me, Louis C.K is not allowed to do basically whatever he wants because that's what I would do in his situation. Whereas this thing with Hassan Minaj, they don't really care because a, a lot of them sort of, yeah, they might have a sort of generalized Islamophobia, but they've all learned to like Saudi Arabia because it's our friend in the region. I don't, and I, right, don't, so there's this- I, I don't even think it's that. I think it's more just like Hassan Minaj never really kind of pushed the same sort of reaction as like Louis C.K. did, right? So like, you know, what happened after like, you know, I don't think I don't think Louis C.K. ever was like this bastion for like left wing politics. Um, no. you know he I, was always a shit. You know when, when I when I think of he was, socialism, he was funny. When I he think, was a shit. When I think of socialism, I think of Louis C.K. Like no, you know he was kind of I I don't know I wasn't I never really watched any of his comedy shows. I saw a couple of like movies he was in and he was like fine in them I guess. Um, you know, but then all of a sudden like after this whole. You know, after the whole like, you know, when he got like outed for you know like wanking in public or whatever, um, you know, someone someone he's been got- advised to adapt to his new base. <laughs> well, this is the thing; he's mm-hmm. kind of like got very limited choices. At the Coney point- twenty twelve guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, well, I mean, to, to, to be fair, if, if, if you're if yeah. you're gonna if you're trying to ingratiate yourself with people who've been publicly shunned for jacking off. Endorsing Trump is probably a good way to go. I mean, like you—you you may not hit your target, but you know, as they say in the children's motivational poster, just shoot for the moon. You'll at least you'll end up among the stars. <laughs> in this case, you'll end up. In this case, you'll end up among the owners of Stars Jet Ski Rental. Some guy, some guy approaches Louis C.K. in a Brooklyn alleyway wearing a dark hooded robe, and he's like. I've come to invite you to a secret society of those who have been publicly shamed for masturbating in public. <laughs> it's like, wait, aren't you the Coney 2012 guy? We shall not speak of this. <laughs> I think, because like, I was thinking about the Aziz Ansari thing, and what, what's interesting, what the similarities between Aziz and Louis C.K. is that after the whole like Me Too thing happened, um, they took like a break for a long time, and then they started doing stand-up shows again, but they started doing it in like really weird you know like republican districts of the u.s so like aziz kind of did a show in the south where he did like shows in like tennessee and um i don't you know like in like i I think he comes from south carolina but he was doing a few shows in south carolina basically like he wasn't really doing much in like new york or like in washington um, or california which is where you know they had like aziz ansari like had a really big base in new york right um you know louis ck the same thing like you know uh so, so I think there, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that like Aziz is kind of doing the same thing as Louis C.K., um, but it does kind of show that like after these moments, like your options are very limited if you're looking for a career comeback. And I think with Aziz, it's kind of like maybe he's like waiting it out so you can do Master of None season three. But with Louis C.K., he's he kind of was uh, you know his strategy just seems to be okay. Well, I will play to the crowd that will give me money and in this case it's this crowd of like fucking like you know facebook boomers who get mad when you don't thank them for putting the american flag up on your car Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but are insistent that like you know uh you know teenagers that they don't even know like you know people on youtube are the things that make them angry um this is one this is one thing i found really funny generally in terms of like these people who um you know, uh, now kind of make it their life's mission to like torment trans people, which is like when you ask them, like, do you know any trans people? They'll say no. What they'll say is that, oh, I saw these videos on YouTube and it shows how this generation of snowflakes um, just cares about themselves. And they're like, they won't even join the army. Like, how pathetic is that? Uh, You know, uh, so I think like Louis C.K. like sort of knew that this is where the audience is. And um kind of just played to that and in terms of like the free speech stuff like it's kind of stuff that we've gone through already and we kind of talked about at the beginning which is like the free speech stuff never doesn't exist right like people don't 
there is no one, even the people who kind of call themselves like free speech purists, who really are free speech purists. What they really want is the ability and the freedom to say the N-word on podcasts and gaming streams and not face consequences for that. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely think that it's the, it boils down to if if the speech that you want to protect is either racist or hateful, then these people are free speech warriors. Right. In every other situation, they want the cops to shoot you for saying things they don't like. Well, and also let's remember the the player in this particular sort of parable that we haven't talked about, which is uh, who, which is you know, Key Bono, Netflix, who stands to benefit. Wait, right. Doesn't Key Bono also run that startup along with? It's actually the lead singer of U 2s son. He just went to oh, he went to Silicon Valley and decided to become oh. an investor. Christ. Um, <laughs> Bono, but for whom? It's for actually who? Bono's line of kimonos. <laughs> uh, so, but right, so remember, it's like, it's, this is Netflix taking a business decision to censor criticism of the Saudi regime in Saudi Arabia. It's just, it's, these, these are the real threats to free speech. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It, the real threats to free speech are the people and the companies who have made themselves the controllers of speech. This is where the problem is. It's not the liberals. And you know, it's not even your uncle that wants to wave his Louis C.K. tickets in front of you, but like won't let you say speech, but won't let you say that you're trans. You know, I also find it really interesting that the, the situation in which people are angry is about a significant grouping of fans and listeners deciding that they don't want louis ck to perform or they don't want him to be in the spotlight because of his behavior that it's it's literally all reactions from people whereas in this case it has nothing to do with any kind of popular sentiment it has nothing to do with with succumbing to pressure from a group of people it literally is oh no we're just going to appease a state actor because in the business world we'd rather have a totalitarian country be happy with us than potentially lose on this whatever fucking infinitesimal amount of business they'd lose from fucking Saudi Arabia. Yeah. But absolutely. it doesn't matter. What matters to them is maintaining that relationship. And that, mm-hmm. that trumps all free speech rights. That I mean, you would like you said, I mean, there isn't necessarily a huge amount of gain to be made by pointing out hypocrisy because we get it, they're hypocrites. But it's just watching it happen so nakedly over and over again, you're just like, wow, it's so naked. You might as well just be jerking off in front of a female comedian who didn't ask for it. <laughs> Also, this was uh, also they've they've fucked this because imagine from a purely business perspective, which is obviously what I bring to the podcast. <laughs> we are um, we are a business podcast. We both, we all love doing well, deals. We yeah, yeah. Well, I know I'm in here on a sort of uh, consultancy basis. <laughs> um, but if but imagine the headlines if Netflix got banned in Saudi Arabia and refused to take it down. They do amazingly in the rest of the world. So they've absolutely fucked it and And, I hope they're kicking themselves. And what's happened, in fact, is that it's still available on YouTube. Everyone's got a VPN. So now everyone's watched it. Netflix runs an ad in Saudi Arabia that is like, we are not a Wahhabist state. We are a (laughs) Colombian coffee drinking. (laughs) 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 Journalist dismembering. Um, Witchcraft beheading. Yeah, actually, to be fair, like I mean, they say that Saudi Netflix is censored because you can't watch, you know, that that thing about you know the Saudi government. But you can watch lots of things on Saudi Netflix that you can't watch on Western Netflix, like beheading videos <laughs> and <laughs> and old Louis, Louis C.K. bits. <laughs> it's all over the place now. And, and Attack on Attack on Titan season two, like you can actually do that. I checked. Oh, oh yeah, oh, Louis C.K. go on memory TV. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. By Allah, there are too many genders. <laughs> I was, These people I, are dogs. I, I was going to say, but actually, I don't think Netflix really has fucked this, and it's actually like it is cynical. But I, you know, it's you know, we're talking about environments where uh, we're talking we're talking about environments where um, you know, again, we're talking about monopolies, right? So yeah, like Netflix got bad press for doing this, but. The fact that it hasn't really had any, um, it hasn't really like stuck to the wall. Um, the fact that like so many people, yeah. I was going to say, you might be upset that this is happening in the decadent liberal West, but at this moment, Netflix is signing the deal in order to distribute a new version of Schindler's List in Hungary with all the important parts taken out. It's no longer, no longer it's a just point li- movie. It's basically just Rafe Fiennes brushing his teeth. It's just Rafe it's also, Fiennes having sex it, and that's it. It's also the case that, so when, when the whole like Saudi thing was happening, like Netflix was distracting people by posting like memes to their, uh, their, their film Bird Box. Uh, not to be confused with the bird meme, and if you want to know about the bird meme, DM Alex Keeley. He will he will tell you. <laughs> Alex Keeley. Uh, yeah, uh, fine. You know, so so they they were they were pushing they were pushing this film, and you know, it kind of goes to show that you know all Netflix really needs to do is you know to like distract people is to say, 
oh hey like you know we're gonna release another avengers movie or here's like this here's this thing that we've been sitting on like this kind of you know so the big thing on netflix this month was a um tv series about like a stalker and it featured a bunch of cast from like gossip girl um you know, and that's kind of, it was like a really bad series, but one that kind of was suited really well to Netflix. And this kind of made me think that like all Netflix really needs to do to kind of retain like their stasis is to keep pushing stuff like that. Right. And they have the capital to do it. Um, they have the resources to do it. Um, any sort of heat that Netflix takes or even any sort of entertainment company takes, um, you know, Netflix has a really easy way of distracting from like press criticism. Uh, but also, this this almost goes without saying. But the the problem here isn't actually this one bit by Hassan Minaj. The problem is that next time this happens, Netflix are going to go. Ah, fuck! We don't want to go through all that again. Let's not do the bit that won't fly in Saudi. Mm. The thing is, the, 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 uh, what? I, I see. They won't. They won't necessarily do that because Netflix doesn't. Netflix didn't produce Hassan Minaj's show. Like it, again, like Netflix operates like a TV service, so a lot of stuff is outsourced to production companies. Um, so they will only kind of realize they will only know like what stuff to take out if they choose to take out stuff once the final product is done and the thing with like Hassan's comedy show is again like all of it gets uploaded to YouTube as well so there's no like direct ownership Um, Mm -hmm. you know otherwise I'm pretty sure that Netflix would have done their due diligence and kind of saying that oh okay this won't fly in this country this won't fly in that country like it's very similar to all types of online content at least that I'm aware of anyway uh, we see it yeah, even, with, even with like new stuff when like, you know, the, the China, like, you know, services that are rendered to China, for example, are different from the ones that you'll see in the US and so on. Now I'm just imagining like Netflix trying to win everyone back over with a panic release of Avengers Infinity War 2 and they're like all those characters <laughs> start coming back to life and the universe expands even more and they're like who will save us now and it's like Jamal Khashoggi. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 we the, thought you were dead. The week, the week long movie. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Going to move on, on slightly to our third and final segment. Uh, we're going to bring it back to the UK um, because I have found I have found us a humdinger of ever reading, um, and also it, it, on the board at uh, Lazo Box <laughs> Company, <laughs> humdinger of a reading. Yeah, um, and it, It's it's by returning champion Robert Colville, um, a guy who looks like a bean in a wig, uh, who is friend of the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who's this like he's he's basically someone who still really believes in austerity. He's the he's the publisher of CapEx, which is one of Britain's like stupider statistical newspapers. What a name. Yeah. And uh, not to be also, confused with CapEx, which is a very important project about like the sort of the ends of continents. And he is what I believe one of the principals of the Center for Policy Studies, which is exactly as pernicious of a think tank as its very benign name would suggest. Hmm. Um, so. This is actually, I'm starting this off with a tweet from YouGov, which tweeted, uh, on the 2nd of January, the media will be awash with stories about outrage over train ticket prices going up by 3%. Yet 42% of those who made more than 50 train journeys last year are in households earning more than 40k. Just 10% are in households on less than 20k. Can anyone tell me why the logic of that might be, sli- uh, might be slightly backwards if you're using it to defend a fair hike? Uh, well, let's just say for a second that what if people can't afford the fucking trains already <laughs> because they're clearly not riding them and they don't have a lot of disposable income. Yeah, like, we like, do live in a, one country in Europe with like the most expensive passenger rail already. So the idea that it's going up and it's like, wow, it, clearly only rich people are taking this train. It's not going to be that much of an encumbrance. It's just the price of a coffee. And it's like, because yeah. why do the pores hate caviar so much? <laughs> we haven't been able to sell any of our caviar in Sunderland. <laughs> I don't understand why. Just, poor people hate trains in Britain. That's why we have to make it more expensive. Absolutely. It's progressive, damn it. The price of property in London is actually fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, if we subsidize property in London, then just the rich people are going to get it. Poor people don't like London. This is this is the this sentiment and this is a wash through Colville's wet fart of an article um is essentially the same that a a lot of like even like liberals will pull out when they say well we shouldn't have free university because i don't want to be paying for a millionaire's kids it's like no if you don't make universalized programs you don't give stuff to everyone then what it's stuff's going to ghettoize and then all these things that you want to give out are going to be denied to a lot of people so it's a stupid idea that doesn't work are we are we ready to hear it vigorously defended by an idiot 
Always. It's the new year. Be- begins Colville in The Spectator, which must mean that railway fares are up again, this time by an average of 3.1%. Jeremy Corbyn has said the latest hike is a disgrace, and commuters forced to shell out more for journeys are likely to agree. No one, not even Chris Grayling, is pretending that Britain's railways are perfect or that the system that they operate under does either. Um, the not even Chris Grayling, world <laughs> pretending champion of 2018. <laughs> the man who is absolutely lives in a palace of his own imagining. A man pretending to be a government minister. <laughs> the transport secretary has in fact explicitly stated this week that the franchising model cannot be the path to the future. But at the same time, there's something that's not said enough or even at all. Britain's railway network is actually not that bad. <laughs> He's like, this has never been said at all. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why no one else has ever oh, found shit. it necessary to say this. It's the it's the transport infrastructure version of the, well, I know that universities are biased against conservatives because they always get bad grades. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, everyone who listened to the Steven Pinker episode last week will know this is basically the same thing. It's uh, Robert Colville saying, no, you love it, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. As a new briefing by one of my colleagues at the Center for Policy Studies points out, customer satisfaction ratings in Britain are consistently higher than all the other big re- European rail networks. Editor's note, I looked at the study that he links to, and this is far from true. We are mixed at best, and everything that counts, we're low on. Nice. User numbers, and here's some more evidence uh, that Colville brings out that um, private, that private railways are good. User numbers have doubled since privatization, and railway has almost doubled its share of passenger journeys in recent years. I wonder fucking why. Wait, hang on. Private railway, railway for money. (laughs) (laughs) Any old railway will do. Railway. (laughs) Right? (laughs) When you say it like that, it just makes me think of some soldier who has the unfortunate surname of railway. (laughs) (laughs) Private railway. (laughs) Right? Private railway reporting for duty. I mean, to to be fair... I have met people with weirder last names than that that had to wear them on their shirts, but... Awesome. <laughs> right, so, right, so he says user numbers have double, doubled since privatization. Th- I once mean- had a soldier named Austin Meatyard. His last name was Meatyard. <laughs> <laughs> Meatyard. He went to wear Meatyard on his fucking name tape. Can you imagine? I mm. think the best age to be called Austin Meatyard is like four years old. <laughs> what, what's your name, kid? Austin Meatyard. <laughs> Did he go on to become a Silicon Valley investor? No, I actually think he got kicked out of the army for drugs, but I mean... That's not still, very on brand I mean, for Austin say, I mean, he could he could ostensibly rediscover himself in Silicon Valley. All right, so user Found a business the, with Lance Corporal Balthazar Speedboat. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Um, so when he says user numbers have doubled since privatization, he's sort of suggesting that everyone's like, oh boy, I love the private trains. I'm just going to ride them for my leisure. It's like Trotsky traveling around the country on his own private train. <laughs> it's like I love I love riding the rails. I don't even need to go anywhere. I just choose to ride the rails, and I'm going to ride whichever whichever of the private operators can give me the best deal because Wait. I want to consume a train ride, not I want to get to Glasgow. So, so on that note, someone I uh, it was uh, this was a few years ago in the Times. They had an op-ed by I think it was their actual editor wrote this, and uh, his, oh, so you know it's his good. opinion on the rail fare hike was that uh, rail like nationalizing the rail system was bad because privatization keeps fares low because of competition as though different railway lines are in competition with each other despite the fact that they go to different places well that's the libertarian dream it's running multiple different trains on the same track at the same time and then just having like truck crash on the train yeah and just having them constantly just crashing into one another and derailing and they're like no it's looks like chaos but it's going to work itself out also the only competition there is is people trying to outbid each other for the franchise with the result that they have to offer have to charge higher fares to put up with that competition. Yeah, and you That's love it. That's the competition mm. that there is. Not you if you love not, it, Charlie. Not if you put a huge plow on the front of your trains and knock the other fucking trains off the track. Yeah, battle That's trains. How we do it. That's what they want. Battle trains. All, all, yeah. I, all I want to say while I wear makeup, while I wear Joker makeup, uh, is that if if you paid an extra hundred pounds, then maybe you would have been on the train but didn't derail. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Take some take some personal responsibility in your life. Make your bed. Write a goodbye note to your parents because you're going because it's another day, but you're going to work on a train that may or may not explode. 
you you get a little self care note from Jamini Sun Humu, and it's like Drim Quarter. Get the get the expensive train. Self care. Love yourself. <laughs> Wait, so, hang on a minute. This is this is just like Robert Colville is like the Morgan Freeman character in Unbreakable. <laughs> and he's just trying to make the train so bad that he's going to find Bruce Willis. <laughs> okay. So, yes, Colville admits, punctuality is a problem. Britain was ranked 20th in an EU survey in 2016, but much of that is because we Just use our track. overall goodness. <laughs> we use our, in punctuality, we use our track much more intensively than any other country. Pushing through more trains means less slack in the system when things go wrong. Again, the franchising model kind of necessitates that to be profitable. Sure. <laughs> That's what you were saying, Charlie. Uh, kind of. I do buy there that what ha- what's true there is that more people are taking trains, so they run more trains because mm. otherwise the trains would be three hundred percent full. Yeah, but like, and that's too full, Jeff. It's too, it's but, too full. We've checked. Let me check with our stats, guys. It's too full. But it's that's the thing is right. It's it's the only incentive is to run as many services is to run like as many services as are profitable, not to run them well, not to run them on time, just to push them through the network, pile them high, stack them cheap. And this is something people have to do. Sack them cheap, sell them cheap. And this is something people have to endure daily. And now it just costs more to get fucked with by mainly like the French and German governments who own these uh, franchises. That's what's so funny about it is that we have nationalized rail, but it's just not our government. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all owned by other countries. <laughs> it, that's like it's, they're, um, they're so happy with nationalized rail services, just not when it's us. Like, imagine how much uh, like the right would shit the bed if it's like, yeah, you have, you do still have a British army. It's just run by the Bundeswehr now. <laughs> and, and like, everyone has to speak German. Uh, yes, prices, uh, he goes on, are high and getting higher. And that's painful for commuters. But it's also partly the result of a decision taken to make them pay the price of their own journey rather than have it subsidized by the general taxpayer. This is why we've got the highest prices in Europe is misleading. Because in Europe, people are paying for trains through taxes, not tickets. Damn. America doesn't have the most expensive healthcare in the world. They're just paying for it directly. Unlike us suckers who are paying even more through our taxes. It's theft. <laughs> it's uh, like this guy's supposed to be a serious economist. Has he never heard of economies of scale? There's like some two-year-old child getting like a free life-saving heart operation on the NHS. And he's going, but they're going to rob me later on through taxes. <laughs> um, another point needs to be made. Uh, Given Jeremy Corbyn's passion for renationalization, is, is that, that from his UCAS personal statement? <laughs> 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 uh, seamless editing. Seamless. Um, is that bringing the rail network back under public control is a slogan rather than a solution? Whoa. <laughs> Fuck, bro. Is Owen Smith in the house? <laughs> no, that's the thing. This is this is thinking too. We talked about this on the last on the well, not I guess uh, as you're hearing this. The, the episode with Felix. Too this thinking, is, too furious. This, yeah, this is thinking too. This is the, like, like Robert Colville just thinking too, thinking so hard he becomes a Facebook guy of just of just being like, yeah, dude, this is like fucking this whack, like renationalization. Like that's not even anything. Like it's a thing. It's the same thing as claiming neoliberalism isn't a real thing with a definition, even though it has one. Like renationalization is a policy with an outcome. <laughs> Thinking three, privatized grift. <laughs> but yeah, but thinking two is when you just think so hard, you think yourself stupid. Because he's like, he has just ironclad the premise that nationalization is bad. And he's just twisting and torturing his thoughts until they come out on the other end saying, well, actually, that's just a slogan. Anyway, commuters should bear the price of their own journeys. That's a fucking slogan. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's wearing Joker makeup. That's what <laughs> really twisted thoughts right there. <laughs> um, so for all the talk about evil franchise operators draining money out, the contracts they're operating under often mean they're acting more as contractors than actual operators. They're effectively being paid a management fee for running railways according to government prescription. To which I ask, why couldn't we just run them then? What's the point of the private operators? Tier one private operators. <laughs> It's it's like he's just basically saying, well, renationalization's not a real policy. Anyway, it wouldn't even be that different. So you fucking love it, you hogs. This section of the podcast is just everyone getting gradually more and more scared of Riley. <laughs> like I used to want to nationalize the trains, but now I'm just scared. Riley, Riley, you know, brushing the sweat off his forehead, 
pulls his floppy fringe back and reveals a tattoo that says damaged. <laughs> the socialist joker, dude. <laughs> Six nine. Well, no, it's that Robert Robert Colville, right? He is, again, like Steven Pinker. Like, you can tell he's not even fucking trying. He's not putting in any effort here. He's basically just, he's basically taken some stats. He said, yeah, we suck a lot, but we're okay in some things. Anyway, you love it and it wouldn't even be that different. I feel like these articles aren't written to prove a point. These articles are written to just like drown out dissent through just sheer dumbness over and over again. Like if you can say a thing that's just like nominally watertight to the point that like it doesn't, it, it's not just gibberish. It's not just like mm. completely nonsense English. Then it, it can, it basically drowns out reasoned comment because yeah. if you can get a thousand idiot dads to send this to, you know, share this on their Facebook walls or like if you can get this to the right people in parliament to read invariably they just repeat the same stupid moronic complete nonsense slogans and it doesn't necessarily mean anything I don't buy that it's even that thought through I think I think what this is is this is just like a it's just a sort of writer game this is just like oh what do people think is bad the trains okay I'm gonna look up reasons why they're good and I'm gonna write an article about it because it will amuse me as a person <laughs> that's kind of that's all this is yeah Robert the Robert, thing that you thought was bad is actually good you fucking idiot Robert you Col- moron Robert it's Colville. in defense of the Wehrmacht for the <laughs> Robert Colville <laughs> Robert Colville is the Zodiac killer and now if he wants to prove that he's not he has to sue me <laughs> yeah. or write an article about why he's not Right, but this is this is why would Robert Colville privatize the Wehrmacht? That's my <laughs> real question. This is what this is the thing. Like ever since we've talked about thinking too, I see it everywhere. Where it is this way of just torturing yourself until you can make something something just ob- nakedly obvious. You can be you can make some kind of faux intuitive contrarian point against it, and that's like literally everything this dullard does. It's so easy. That's the weirdest part. It's actually incredibly easy to do. You think it wouldn't be? Yeah. <laughs> what if the trains were attacked, Black Mirror? <laughs> oh boy. Oh, weird. Just as you said, Black Mirror, I noticed that Siri was recording what we were saying, and I just saw a sort of transcript of everything we'd said. Oh shit. Oh. Well, if that's happening, then we shouldn't give it any more evidence. The Apple commandos swing in through the window. Who was saying the rails <laughs> should be nationalized? <laughs> I think I think it's about time, folks. Yeah. It is about uh, time. So uh, I'm going to say thank you very much for, uh, once again for listening to this premium episode of Trash Future. With an all original cast lineup. Indeed, yeah. All we, the core lads. All, all the core, all the core cast. Um, I'll, I'll say also, we have scheduled our live show, my live podcast, Call Out Worked. It's going mm. to be on Thursday the 21st at the Star of Kings. And you'll oh, be February. able... February. Oh, February. <laughs> Thursday the 21st of February at the Star of Kings in London. And you will be able to see us ham it up with uh, comedian and past guest Josie Long on the mm. stage. It's going to be great. We're going to have an Eventbrite link up probably by the time this is out. Yeah. Um, additionally... Uh, uh, you can commodify your descent with a t-shirt from Lil Comrade. I suggest that you do that. Maybe get something like, nationalize the trains is just a slogan. I'm sure Edie would love to screen print that. Yeah. Um, finally, it, it leaves me time only to uh, thank my, my lovely co-hosts, thank our lovely listeners, um, and to thank Ginseng for the use of our theme song, Here We Go, which you can find on Spotify. Thank you all very much, and good night. <laughs> Thank you.